Greetings to those who watch below. Today we will continue our grand tour of the British Isles. We move from Ireland to another equally as ancient land, Wales. But before we get to the stories, I'd like to say a big thank you to Aztec Priest, Lisa Watts, Jess Black Curtain, Wicked Witch, Steffi Ray, Ghost City Shelton and Lefty Kim for being those who dwell below. An exclusive channel membership that gets some shout-outs at the start of every video. So, on with the stories. Footsteps in the Night by Chim Chim In 2010, my cousin and I went to Wales on vacation. My family have been visiting Wales almost every year for decades, but this was my first trip. Whenever they go, my family always pays a visit to St David's in southwest Wales, and they stay in a holiday cottage, which is where we stayed this time too. The cottage is around 500 years old, and is said to be one of the oldest buildings in St. David's. First I have to describe the layout, in order for the rest of my story to make sense. The cottage is roughly L-shaped, with two stories, and built from stone, with a stone floor on the ground level, and a wooden floor on the second story. A steep wooden staircase connects them right at the corner of the L. There is a bedroom on the ground floor, which occupies the short arm of the L. The upstairs, which only occupies the long arm of the L, has two dedicated bedrooms and a little curtain nook, which acts as a third. Both floors have their own bathrooms. My cousin and I were the only ones staying there. She has bad knees, so we agreed that she would take the ground floor bedroom and I could have the upstairs. Being a night owl, I was up late one night, and my cousin had already gone to bed. I was in an upstairs bedroom lying on the bed watching TV shows on YouTube. My door was open, and the rest of the cottage was dark and quiet. The next thing I know, I hear footsteps coming up the stairs. My first thought is that my cousin was coming up, but I dismissed that right away, because the stairs would be really hard on her knees, and there was no reason for her to come up. It's not a big cottage, and she could have just called me from the foot of the stairs and I would have come down. Also, I was sure she was asleep. There was no way the footsteps came from what I was watching. First, it wasn't the subject matter of what I was watching. And second, I muted the sound as soon as I heard anything, yet the footsteps continued. Right across the second floor, until they stopped at my bedroom. Well, nothing else happened, so although I was stunned... I went to bed and eventually fell asleep. I still couldn't quite believe it happened to me. The next morning I asked my cousin if she had come upstairs in the night. She said no, she hadn't, and why had I asked? I told her what had happened, and then she told me her experience that night. Lying in bed, in that state between waking and sleeping, she said she saw a man standing in the doorway of her bedroom, she described him as shortish and hobbity-looking, wearing old-fashioned clothes. He spoke to her in Welsh, but the only part she could remember sounded like tea. She had chalked it up as a dream, even though she knew she hadn't been fully asleep, until I told her my story. Later that day, we were about to leave the cottage, when we found the keys weren't hanging on their hook by the door. That was weird, because we had always left them there. We checked our pockets. We checked every room. We checked our purses, we checked the yard, we even checked inside the washing machine. For an hour, we literally turned that place upside down. Finally, 
my cousin said she was going to try her purse one more time. This time when we looked, the keys were sitting right on top. Now I'm not exaggerating when I say we had both checked her purse together and separately at least three times. Not only were the keys not there, but if they had been there, we would have had to go past them to get deeper into the bag. They simply had not been in the purse two minutes before. Ha, very funny, we told the ghost, but please don't do that again. Thankfully, the ghost was very obliging, and didn't pester us any more. The Curse of Nant Gwytherin In the valley of Nant Gwytherin stood a deserted village, whose people were cursed because of their disrespect for Christian beliefs. The village of Porthy Nant, after standing abandoned for many years, has now been renovated for use as a centre for learning the Welsh language. Overlooking the sea on the Llyn Peninsula, this was once a thriving fishing community. Its people tended to keep themselves to themselves, and were not fond of outside interference. So, the chieftain, who was strictly pagan in his religious convictions, was not very impressed when three monks from the church of St. Bueno approached the village. When they began lecturing about Christian scriptures, the chief became even less impressed. Angry is perhaps a better word. So he ordered that the monks be driven from the village. Supervising the operation himself, he and the villagers stoned the monks until they had retreated to a position of safety. Reaching the head of the valley, the holy man looked back at Porthinant and issued religious damnation against the ungodly villagers. Each monk devised his own individual curse. The first vowed that no man born in the village would again be buried on consecrated ground. Another said that the marriage would not be possible between men and women born in the village. And the third cursed the entire place to become a deserted shell, a ghost town. From that day, the community's years were numbered. The first part of the curse held true. All the men who died did so from drowning while fishing at sea, and their bodies were never recovered. The young women of the village, fearful of the curse, always left the village to seek a husband from other valleys. Young men brought in their brides from other areas. But some years later, when the village had last converted to Christianity, two young lovers, both born there, decided to marry despite the curse. On the wedding day, it was customary for the bride to behave bashfully and conceal herself. It was the groom's duty to seek out her hiding place and carry her to the church. The groom was confident. He had on his best clothes and had discussed the various hiding places available to his sweetheart. But when he tried to find her, he failed. For an hour he searched but to no avail. The whole village, now fearing misfortune, turned out to help the young man. They searched high and low, calling out the bride's name loudly. They went through all the houses and buildings, looked behind every tree in the surrounding woods, and eventually to the cliffs overlooking the sea. But there was no trace of the girl. The groom was broken-hearted. His sweetheart had given him a small pup the previous day. He continued searching through the night, carrying the puppy in his arms. At dawn, the whole village turned out again. They searched every place twice, then a third time, until nightfall once more prevented them. Again the young man continued through the night, the pup still whining in his arms. 
For the third day, searching continued, until at last the wise man of the village concluded that the girl had probably fallen from the cliffs, and her body had been swept out to sea. Sadly, the villagers accepted this theory, and so the search was called off, except for the young man, who paced to and fro on the edge of the cliffs, pitifully calling out the name of his bride. Nights passed, mornings dawned, and for days the villagers watched him growing thinner and thinner. He no longer shouted, and his eyes stared out to sea, as though he was blind to everything else. Two villagers decided to try and reason with the young man. On approaching him, they discovered the pup he was holding had died. Dragging the body from him, they threw it into the sea, which proved too much from the demented young man, who jumped after it. He was never seen again. Some years later, the village woodsman was felling a tree that had been struck by lightning. After some soaring, he discovered it to be hollow, and inside, to his horror, he found a skeleton. It was a small person, the stature of a young girl, and she had been wearing a wedding dress when she died, and her skull sprouted long golden hair. The poor girl had climbed the tree to hide in its branches. She had probably been giggling in happy anticipation of the day ahead. Then, she had fallen into the hollow, where her ankle became trapped. For days she called out, pleading for the help which never came, until she eventually died of thirst and starvation. Her remains were placed in a coffin, and a funeral procession set off for St. Bueno's Church. It never got there. On the way, the horse-drawn cart lost a wheel, and the coffin slid off, falling over a cliff onto the rocks, where it was smashed to matchwood. The bride's bones were washed out to sea. Not long into the twentieth century, the third curse came true. The village became deserted. One by one, sick of the ill luck which seemed to follow all who lived there, its occupants left, never to return. The Ghost Lady That Hated Men by John Craig Savin Back in June of 2004, I had a girlfriend that lived in Llandred, Nod Wales, Wales, that I visited quite often. The house was an old Tudor building, three floors, very tall with high ceilings. On my first visit there, I felt very cold, but I put it down to the house being very old, with old-fashioned windows. What that night had in store for me was unbelievable. There was me, my girlfriend at the time, her sister Hannah, and Jacques, who was Hannah's boyfriend. We all decided to stay up all night. It didn't work. We got tired and retired to our rooms, respectively. With it being my first time there, I had to share the bedroom with Jacques, top floor, where most of the paranormal seemed to happen. All three tried to scare me with stories that night, but I wasn't really a believer. Jacques fell asleep, but I couldn't. Something was bugging me. I couldn't sleep, and kept hearing noises. I opened my eyes to a white mist, something that made me think I was dreaming. I started calling Jacques to wake him up, but got no reply. I got out of bed, and shook him until he did wake up, and we didn't have a clue what was going on. We both ran out of the room and down the stairs to the first floor, to where Hannah and Amy were sleeping. On my way down there I was stunned. I couldn't move, and I was just looking up to the bedroom, when a face appeared in the mist. 
It was a woman with long, dark hair. Then I saw a little boy run across from one of the rooms to another, straight past this mist. I heard a door slam. I was eventually taken downstairs and given water and something to eat, still shaken as to what I saw. I didn't end up sleeping at all that night, and only agreed to return to the room as long as I could sleep in the same room as Amy. I thought I'd have a peaceful night, but I was woken up at about 5am by a quiet breathing sound. Scratches appeared on my body and started to bleed. With me being so pale, they showed up even more than they would have on most people. I woke Amy. Everybody else was woken up, and we all went downstairs and sat around the kitchen table. Jacques told me he had been in the same situation before in the house. We decided to check out the history of the place, and it turned out to be an old whorehouse. A lesbian woman had lived there that preyed on innocent men. It turned out she would take them upstairs and kill them, with them thinking that they would be getting something else entirely. Then she would take their money and dispose of the bodies. She did this to seven men. One night, a man that she attempted to kill turned nasty and beat her so badly that she died from her injuries. It turned out this man was a policeman at the time. Ever since this incident, men see things in this house and get horrible feelings when they're inside. From the outside, the house looks cold. Inside, it is very comfortable, unless you're a man. Then, you'll know all about it. This was the worst experience of my life. I have never been so scared. Why she targeted me over Jacques, I don't know. But one thing is for sure, I won't be going back there. The Haunting of Plasmawa This is a story of tragedy, medical incompetence, and a grief-driven desire for vengeance. Plasmawa, the site of the story, stands a few yards down the high street from Lancaster Square in the centre of Conwy, Gwynedd. The Elizabethan townhouse was built by a certain Robert Wynne between 1577 and 1580. The building has an unusual feature. It boasts exactly 365 windows and its watchtower 52 steps, the number of days and weeks in the year. Steeped in history, Plasmauer is considered an architectural masterpiece and is famed for its highly decorative mouldings in plaster. The house is more popularly known for being haunted. An apparition has been seen in the lantern room, and strange noises are heard in and around the house, especially during winter months. To get to the story of this haunting, we must travel back to a cold winter's night in the 16th century. The master of the house, Sir Robert Wynne, was expected home after a long absence fighting in the wars. His pregnant wife and the three-year-old son were eagerly looking forward to his return, and for the latter part of the day had kept vigil from the top of the watchtower. The hours passed, and it grew dark. There was still no sign of Sir Robert. Disappointed though she was, Lady Wynne decided it was far too cold to remain in the tower, so she led her little boy slowly down the steps. It was here that tragedy struck. Missing her footing in the gloom, the heavily pregnant woman fell headlong, dragging her son with her. 
so that they both tumbled heavily to the foot of the stairs. On hearing this commotion, a maidservant rushed to the scene to find her mistress and the young boy lying injured. She acted quickly. With the help of the other servants, she moved the pair to the lantern room and sent word to summon the local doctor. There was a knock at the door a few minutes later, but instead of the usual physician, a young stranger had arrived. He explained that the family doctor was away attending to another patient and wouldn't be available for at least another hour, perhaps longer. In the meantime, the young man explained that his name was Dr. Dick and he would do what he could until his senior arrived. He was immediately taken to the lantern room and there, by lamplight, he made his initial examination. To the servant's dismay, the young doctor grew very troubled. He explained that both the woman and child were in a very poor condition and beyond his own limited abilities. He suggested that another messenger be sent to find the more experienced doctor and urge him to come to Plasmauer immediately. The servants complied, but collectively refused to allow Dr. Dick to leave. Insisting that he do something for the injured pair, they locked him in the lantern room. The servants waited outside, praying for the arrival of the older doctor. They waited and waited. Many hours passed, and a feeling of dread certainty settled on the household. Then, suddenly, there was a furious hammering at the main door. The maidservant opened the door breathlessly, but there, instead of the physician, stood Sir Robert himself, home from the wars at last. On hearing the panic-laden story, he pushed the moaning servants aside and burst into the lantern room, to be confronted by the terrible sight of his wife, son and premature baby, all lying dead on the floor. Mad with grief and rage, he scoured the shadows for Dr. Dick, but the young man had disappeared. Amid much weeping and howling from them, the stricken knight ushered his servants out, and vowed that he would not leave the room until he found the doctor. He locked himself in. For the rest of the night, he was heard issuing curses and oaths and demands that the doctor reveal himself. Outside, the servants listened, shivering with misery and jumping from fright at the loud outbursts from within the room. Finally, at daybreak, silence had descended. Some of the servants gathered at the door and, using a spare key, opened it to see what had become of their master. There on the floor, next to his family, lay Sir Robert Wynne. He had taken his own life by plunging a dagger into his throat. Dr. Dick was never seen again. It is said that the terrified young man tried to escape by climbing up the chimney. There, he may have accidentally discovered one of the many passages and hiding places in the walls of Plasmawa. Lost in the darkness, he may have suffocated by inhaling smoke from the hearth fires that would have been burning during winter. And what of the messenger who was sent for the older doctor? It appears he turned up many years later, an old man by that time. He explained that on the way to summon the physician, he had been unfortunate enough to be press-ganged by sailors, and until now had been sailing the seas. He was most upset when told of the young family's demise. As for Plasmauer, strange occurrences have been reported from time to time there ever since. 
Dr. Dick's bones, blackened with soot, are said to remain somewhere within the house, and Robert Wynne's ghost, still seeking vengeance, haunts the lantern room. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Grand Haunting, a hotel no one knows is haunted, by Faith 2000. Me and my boyfriend Kieran had been together for four years and decided to stay at a hotel for our anniversary on the 16th of April 2019 since we never get time alone. We stayed at a place in Swansea called the Grand Hotel. When we got there, everything seemed fine, and we were allocated room 212. The first night was fine, and nothing seemed out of place. We were having a great time and everything was happy. That was until things started to get weird. Things in the bathroom seemed to be moving places. At first I assumed it was the maids who had moved things while attending to the room, Things kept moving, and I started to realise they were even moving after the maids had been. Already creeped out by the whole thing, I decided to tell my non-believer boyfriend all about it. He insisted that he hadn't moved anything, and when he asked me what had moved, I explained how the glasses had turned the other way around, and how both of our toothbrushes had been moved multiple times after me putting them back. Along with this, my bag with all my toiletries in it had moved. My boyfriend thought that maybe I just hadn't remembered where I put the stuff. I knew this wasn't the case, as I can be very OCD over my things and the exact place they must go. Things continued to move, until one night, while my boyfriend was asleep, I saw a face. It was near the door of the bathroom, but it was too dark to make out. I thought it was the face of a woman watching me, I was petrified, and woke my boyfriend, who just hugged me, and told me to go to sleep without opening his eyes. When I looked back, the face was gone. I eventually went to sleep. On about the fifth night, me and my boyfriend had an argument before bed, and I was ignoring him when I fell asleep. I was so mad, furious even. The argument wasn't even serious, but I was so mad, I went into the bathroom, because I couldn't stand being in the bed with him. I looked into the mirror, and I was suddenly filled with thoughts I had never had before. I thought, imagine how bad he would feel if I hung myself right here. After a couple of hours of sitting on the bath looking at my reflection, I finally convinced myself to go back to bed. When I returned, my boyfriend apologised, in his sleep I may add, and all of my angry thoughts disappeared. The next morning, the keycard for our door stopped working, we had to go to the hotel reception to fix the card, however it turned out that it was the electronic lock that was broken, so we had to move to a different room. The room we moved to was only a couple of rooms down, but nothing happened in that room. It was completely normal. When I got home, I researched the hotel to see if anyone had died. The only death I found was a woman in 2016 who had gone to the hotel with her girlfriend. 
she and her girlfriend had argued, and she was found to have hung herself in the bathroom in her room. I had never heard of the incident before, and was shocked to actually find something. The room number wasn't stated, and there was no information on anyone saying about the hotel being haunted. However, when I saw the picture of the woman, I swear that it was the face I had seen by the bathroom door. I like to believe that she wanted to share with me how she felt, how angry, how upset, and how determined she was. I sympathise with this young woman, and hope she may rest in peace some day. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. We're going to carry on with our tour around the British Isles, with Scotland and England still to come. If you liked the video, make sure to leave a like, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. So, as the Welsh would say, Tani Tronesaf, Kiskin Din.